0: out of fancy Broadcast. It's something of a brucy bonus episode. I'm joined by Liam Welton. Hey, hey, hey. I like, we've made this very sensual straight mm. away. Um, Liam. Welcome to our parlour. <laughs> mm, the brocaded curtains and the heavy silks fascinate and delight you. Yes, it is a massage parlour. <laughs> Don't worry, we are certified, <laughs> madam. Um, we, well, the reason there's only two of these voices and we've got ever so close to the microphones is uh, Liam had the bright idea of doing a bit of a, a DM tip session, because as we mentioned in a recent... Uh, middle bit of the pod Liam is a I would argue probably a a more developed DMGM Dice Meister than I am because you've got a lot of history in game design and writing for games and also running TTRPGs for people yeah I mean
1: I think you've I think you've done it longer than I have like (laughs) D&D has always been one of those things where
0: I'm like oh I would really like to do it if only I had friends (laughs) (laughs) and then you found and then you found us on an online marketplace yeah Yep. Yep. and paid the requisite amount now we're your friends well that, that is always the thing it's friends and time and uh, uh, like the actual you know nerdy dedication bits. Bit. the fun bit it's the it's the organisation as with everything that kills it oh yeah but you 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 had the bright idea of maybe sharing a couple of the tips we picked up over the years because there's a lot of um, sometimes conflicting advice I think is fair to say it could be a very and like you say it's a very daunting thing for a fresh face young young man or woman to be like I'm going to I'm gonna DM. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, what's involved? And also,
1: like, it's. uh, I think wizards give some great wizards of the coast. That is, I think they give some great advice. Well, if
0: you could, if you could consult an actual wizard, that's also quite useful.
1: (laughs) Wizards give great advice, particularly around you know arcana or uh, anything magic related and how to min max generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Side note, any dick who chooses a wizard class, watch them because they've got bad intentions. (laughs) That's tip number one. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, like Wizards of the Coast have some really good uh, advice for like first-time DMs. And if Mm. you like, their starter set's got some like great advice, but like with so much of like tabletop, like role-playing games, your like the the key to a, a good time, I think, is really judging like what works for you and what works for the people there. And that's very, very subjective, which I think is why there's like so much yeah. like you know, as you say, conflicting recommendations. So I think it's worth maybe there's disclaimer up top. Like these are the things that work for us.
0: Definitely. And I think the form that a lot of these points take is, well, here's something you want to consider within the frame of your group. Because like you say, and even group to group, if you're running multiple campaigns, group to group, there'll be different things that work for different ones. You'll have... what well, I, I go and sometimes there's a... Uh, on meetup.com, there are several like D&D groups in London. Yeah, There's one that meets in, uh, in, uh, in Borough every weekend. And there's a really nice bunch of people. And it's a really nice way to kind of get exposed to, you know, not only people, but play styles and different campaigns that you'd never even touch. And the range of stuff there shocks me every week. And yeah. I usually go and say, well, I'll be a DM and I'll run a one-off one for people who have turned, you know, any stragglers who've turned up. And those will fit into a nice group because they're strangers. Or When I go and join other people's games, it's fascinating the stuff yeah. they do and um, and what works for them as well. Yeah, one-shots are a great
1: way of, like, learning to, because, like, you've got almost no time. Like, you get to the end of a one-shot and you go, oh, I understand what this group wants to do now. Like, you've got to be that good at, yeah. like, like, locking into, like, the expectations of a group. Um, so yeah,
0: I find doing one shots really, really interesting for that reason. Really, so maybe uh, that's a, a bonus, bonus tip in a bonus episode. Is <laughs> one shot. Um, but Liam, I, we've got kind of three, three tips we'd like to talk about each, um, and you are going to take a kick us off first.
1: Yeah. Um, so this this tip definitely uh, I mentioned him in, in a in a middle bit, uh, but this tip. Uh, most of these tips come from Chris Gardner Uh, again uh, someone who I worked with very talented uh, uh, games master and very talented uh, writer and game designer uh, video game designer go check out his stuff uh, anything that's made by Fail Better Games it's got Chris's uh, like grubby fingerprints all over it (laughs) his paws are everywhere yeah so the first tip that I, I literally said to him. Uh, so the first time I DM'd was for a group of strangers. I'd literally never met them before. Uh, I found them on this uh, this Slack channel that was for game developers, and it was a group of people who said, "Oh yeah, I'm really interested in uh, in playing Dungeons and Dragons," and I was like, "Well, I'm interested in uh, DMing," and it wasn't until like. We'd actually like booked in the date and everything. I was like, "This is insanity." I'm supposed to understand what these people know, and I barely know them. And yeah. I sort of said to Chris, "Oh well, you got any advice?" Because I'm feeling well out of my depth. And he gave me this was one of the tips he gave me, uh, and it was, um, don't don't make anyone do a saving throw or like uh, a dice challenge of any sort unless the failure result you have in mind is interesting. Ah uh, yeah. Like if it's it like the classic the classic one is kind of like you you might find that there's a situation it's like, oh you know, you're jumping over a cat like a chasm and uh obviously it makes sense that there's like an athletics check or a dexterity check, but you've really got to make sure that like failing that check has an interesting consequence. If the consequence is just like, oh well I need, the, I need the team to get over, I need the, the group to get over to the other side, so I'm basically going to make them, like, the failure state is the same as the success state, just yeah. don't do that role. Or, yeah. like, if, like, you just make them do the role over and over again. And uh, so i sort of sp- I said, oh, that's a really good tip, and he explained that um, getting, like, hot and heavy into, like, uh, tabletop game stuff here, but um, the Apocalypse system, which Mm. is like a different one from Dungeons & Dragons, um, that has the concept of uh, partial successes. Yes. So you don't just fail or succeed in that game. You fail, you partially succeed, or you succeed. And basically, succeed is you do what you wanted to do. And the partial success is that you do what you want to do, but there's a consequence. And like like the extension of this is uh as he explained to me like why make that concept like think about the consequence of, fa- of like straight out failure as well because mm. like i often think that's the uh, some of the best opportunities for like uh you know discovering something about characters is like how they handle adversity so like every time you get a, like you see someone trying to do something a bit bold you can be like Oh, that's that's good. It's like it's a good suggestion that the players had there, and I'd be delighted if they succeeded in it. But I wonder how they'd handle the flip side of that coin. Like, okay, you're going to try and charm someone, but like, if they fail to charm someone, how do they how do they handle like uh, like a this belligerent character? Like mm. like do they na- then need to like resort to like making a bargain with them? Like, I think that's kind of You should view difficulty challenges as, like, an opportunity for, like, interesting consequences. Not just, like, something to just, you know, get them to roll the dice.
0: Yeah. I guess that's the temptation sometimes, isn't it? You want to feel like... um, You want to feel like there's a risk involved in everything your players are doing. And you, you want to say, okay, well, you know, this is a a thing that your character could potentially fail at, so let us introduce the chance of you failing. Mm-hmm. But I like, yeah, I, I know what you mean, that it's, it's it's nice to use that as a way to expand the story you're telling beyond just, no, you don't do that, or, yep, you do. It's, um, but it's a hard
1: thing to ask for. Like, as a DM, like that's asking you to be very, very creative. Like, that's kind of why I'm not sure I'll ever play a game under the apocalypse system, because, like, trying to think of three interesting outcomes for yeah. every roll, like... Wheesh, that's a lot
0: (laughs) and and sometimes that manifests as um there's the there are a couple of systems where it it lets the dm make a move like in in response lets them move the world to to meet this failure and to provide like a new threat which again i really like but the times i've listened there are podcasts and there are sessions i've listened to with that and and it you're exactly right the creative energy involved in that yeah can sometimes be a bit overwhelming um but I like, I really like that point, and it just feeds into stuff I've heard over and over again from other podcasts, which is just always have stakes, like always make roles have stakes as well. Mm. Would even if, it, and to add to yours, you know, not to make it a uh, you're gonna die or survive, but failure, make, make, failures make may mean something. I think is a good thing to take away from. that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, nice. Okay. Well, mine, my first point is kind of actually related to this, and and also contradicts it slightly. Straight away, we're doing this. Um, <laughs> Which is, I, you know, the rule books are wonderful. Any, I mean, this goes for any tabletop opportunity, right? The rule books are always a wonderful resource and you should get them and you should know the systems as well as you can, depending on your taste. But I find it really useful to, um, and this is my tip, to chuck or modify rules to suit your table. Oh, but, yeah. To take, to take care at the same time. And I guess it feeds into what you're saying about DC checks and, and, and you know, making those work for you. But sometimes there are some rules in D&D, to be specific, which I just I've just thrown out already, carrying capacity is yeah, one of those. In absolutely. Which if there's ever a time when it's ridiculous and one of you tries to carry an elephant, you know, around the world, that's pretty cool. Number one, and number two, like it's I never think that's going to be a limiting factor on what anyone wants to do, or nor should it be really. I think there's a I think there's an acknowledgement of the
1: importance of like, uh, you know, kind of ad hoc homegrown rules. Yeah. In like the way that. Uh, fifth edition is designed. Definitely. Um, Because I think that the advantage and disadvantage rules are there for you to basically kind of go, okay, uh," because it's very, very... If you ever look at the rules for that, it's very loose about how it works. Like, there's no, oh, in this situation, you should gain advantage. Very rarely does it do that. Mm. Like, much more commonly, it's just like, here's a really interesting tool you can use. Like, if you want to make a role more difficult or easier, then give someone advantage or disadvantage. Yeah. And that's I, I kind of feel like that's a great example of like, because I'm sure you've got in your head, uh, Laurie, like what you would give advantage and disadvantage to. Yeah. Definitely. And it's probably different from what I would give. Probably is. Totally.
0: And, and, and also with another rule, That fifth has that I don't really use and maybe I should use more is um, the whole inspiration mechanic. Yeah. Which is a way to reward players for doing something that's kind of cool, usually in a role-playing context or or, or a creative way of solving a problem. Yeah. And I don't... There are rarely times, A, I've never seen a player remember they have it. Yeah, that's uh, one of the big problems. One of the biggest problems. And two, it just feels like a, a strange way to, you know, if someone really inhabits their character... Rather than making something happen immediately or, you know, if advantage works, right, using that or something to be like, okay, well, here's a bankable dice you can use in the future for something because you once did something very in character. I just don't really, I don't really see. But then, of course, there are always going to be counter examples where actually that's a really appropriate way to use it or, or a counter group of players where you go... Actually, they really enjoy that, and they get a lot out of it. Um, I
1: I actually tend to use uh, advantage and disadvantage in the same way inspiration is supposed to be used. Yes, yeah, me too. Really. Like I say, I say to people, "Oh, I'm going to give you advantage if you try and do something like this in future because it's because it's a great way of like encouraging p- uh, players to play to type, which is one of the big things you try and do. What's
0: right? that an episode one that we did when when Taryn goes to to shimmy down the um, the the banner and yeah. wrap it around their skeletons. I remember being like, "Yo, that's that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard, and exactly what a pirate would do." Yeah. So, advantage away.
1: <laughs> even though,
0: even though in the book it's like, "Oh, technically, a skeleton's being wrapped by a fabric. Oh, it's not going to do much." <laughs> it's like, "No, fuck you. Yeah, no, no time." Yeah. Um. All right. Good. Well, we agree on that one. No counter examples needed. What's number two for you? Uh, number two is um,
1: uh. Again, this is something that. I thought was really good advice. Uh, This came a bit later, actually, when the group that I was playing with um, was kind of, like, not stalling, but there was a lot of people who, uh, like, really wanted to do things that were very cool for, like, for them to play. Mm. I think one of the unique things about uh, role-playing games uh, as opposed to, like, video games is like you, if you've got like the one-on-one connection you can have with a a GM means that you can have like a completely custom experience. And that can sometimes lead people to kind of go, oh, at the expense of everyone else's entertainment, (laughs) I'm going to go off and just have this one-on-one experience. And unfortunately, you can't do that for everyone in your party. Um, And so I sort of again i went back to chris for this one uh i i i sort of said oh, i just don't know how to like it feels like they're not being selfish but they're like finding opportunities to like have very kind of like explicitly solo experiences yes yes and uh i said it's just really hard like how do i how, how can i kind of like encourage them not to do that and he said be very explicit with them Like, it is not your job as a GM to make sure people have fun. No. That is something that is everyone's responsibility. Like, you've got to kind of accept that uh, you are partially responsible for them having fun. You are 100% responsible for making sure the rules are followed up to the point that you're happy to follow them, Like Mm -hmm. as you were saying. But it's not your responsibility if, like, it's five people in a room determined to, like, make sure everyone else is having a bad time and it is it's not on you as the the gm to make sure that that, that they do all, all are all having fun
0: that's really that's a really interesting point i really like that i really like the way you've put that i've had groups in the past of very mic, a big mix of people people who are very new not even just to rpgs but to, to kind of like games even or yeah. like the idea of like leveling up or whatever but who are really keen to to get involved in role play and trying to balance that sometimes i always felt like it was my, I was like, oh, I can see this person's not having much fun. I'm going to have to skew the game in this direction to mm. kind of meet them. And as soon as I started doing that, it really threw it all off. And yeah, I, I, I really liked that. Because of course, you know, you're going to have people who don't enjoy the game sometimes. You're going to have people who yeah. don't get the, the what they expect out of it. Or But you can't. You can't kind of hijack the game in order to make it work for them, I guess. Yeah, it's part of it.
1: You can't. You can't fix that single handedly. Like it takes Especially the enti- mid- it takes the entire room. Like Yeah. yeah. Uh, and sometimes you don't want to flag that someone's because like you pick up on it as a GM. You kind of go that person's falling out of love with this situation. Mm. But what you need to try and do is kind of like like get everyone to rally round and try and like bring that person back in. Uh, And, like, I don't want to get... I mean, this is quite a serious thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Like, I've suffered with, like, mental health problems uh, in the past, and a lot of it has been around the anxiety Mm. that I need to make sure everyone around me is okay. Um, And, like, actually, like, GMing has been incredibly helpful (laughs) in that, like, you can... Like, you can, like... D and D or any like tabletop game, it's a game of chance. Uh, you're rolling dice, the players are rolling dice, and I can have the best intentions in the world for my players, and sometimes the rules of the game are going to make them unhappy. Hmm. And like I can't, you can't hijack that and try and make everyone happy. Like that's uh, like like the dice uh, effect that. All the other players affect that. That is not something you as the GM can, like, do. And having to come to terms with that was, like, incredibly therapeutic for me. Because, <laughs> like, it was this sudden, like, just kind of like, oh, yeah, like, I can be well-intentioned, mm. but I can't I can't make it all, like, perfect. No. Uh, and I think that actually, like like, big tip for me for people who are just starting out, or not just starting out, like, people who do it all the time, like, release yourself from the burden of, like, Having to make sure everyone's having a good time, like that's like that's something that everyone has to do, you know.
0: That's nice. I, I really like that, and I guess that there's a, a kind of second a secondary element to that as well, which is actually the players. And I've noticed it with us three. And obviously, we're we're quite we're all very good friends to start with. Yeah, and yeah. I think we all play in quite a similar way. But the three of you now, I think, all pick up on what each other likes and what each other is good at, and where each other will go in a yeah. certain situation. And that lends itself to some much as you get that understanding and you make those allowances for each other and say, actually, this is a time for, you know, perfect Zach opportunity here, the perfect Teddy opportunity here. Yeah. Again, really works. And also kind of belies what your characters are doing, hopefully, you know, as they learn to cooperate. Oh, what a lovely one. Um, My second point is actually quite related to that. um, And I think it's going to cover lot of the same ground. So I'll keep it brief. Um, But it's again, not putting too much onus on the DM, but, but, obviously a big part of it is, is being alive to what your players are enjoying and, mm. and like you say that's pretty obvious most of the time you can see if someone's been quiet for an, for an hour or something Yeah. but then use that knowledge to give them their little time to shine and whether that is you know making a whole challenge that's designed around a bard skills for example and letting them do that or more subtly just giving different people an opportunity to, to take control and to be the, the point on a given mission or whatever or a a bit of role-playing i think that's i think that's an important way to keep people engaged and alive and
1: absolutely also it's playing to kind of like the unique strengths yeah. of the game like i say like um you can go and play like uh like world of warcraft or like neverwinter nights or and we all have uh, we all have um and like these games are designed to give you a certain amount of latitude uh, as to the way that you kind of, like, ap- approach a problem. Mm. But there is no game other than, like, uh, like, a live, like, role-playing game where you can, like, come up with an idea and then, like, sort of, like, fire it at a games master and they will go, what are you going to like? Like, what's a great, interesting thing they wouldn't have thought? Like, you can't get that anywhere else. And, like, this is a really, really good, like, example of, like, giving people those moments to have those kind of, mm. like those things that they won't get anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, makes me feel so kind oh. of... I get very excited about the idea of, like, role-playing games. I think they're really special. Until you play one and then you remember. No, <laughs> Yeah, I'm fucking sick of them, yeah.
0: No, it's... um, Yeah, I, I think that's... Really, and also, actually speaking as a... as a, uh, What did me and... The word that me and Paddy came up with was Dice Chief to command all TCRPGs. Yeah, uh, yeah. The thing that makes my heart swell as a Dice Chief is when you get you you get that connection with someone and they really enjoy a moment. And then quite often it will feed into the way you tell your story or the way that it pans out in a really pleasing way where everyone has agency in it. And it's just, oh, it's just an all-round, it's a circle of goodness. Yeah, well, it's in the same way
1: like... Uh, it's not the DM's job to, or the, the GM's job, the Dice, Dice Chief. Dice Chief. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's not their responsibility to make sure everyone has fun. Mm. It's also not their responsibility to tell the story. Like, you are not, like, as a player, having a story told to you. No. You are, like, it's like automatic writing. It's something you're intimately involved with, or you should be intimately involved with. Like, it's a story that you're all telling together. Like, that's brilliant.
0: Um back to you then. What's okay, your, my
1: uh, my final your piece de resistance. Uh, yeah, my final tip. Uh this one's quite uh, granular. So this is this relates more to combat than anything else. But um uh so uh you, you get the opportunity when you're kind of like giving descriptions for like the environment or a person to um like it's very daunting sometimes, like <laughs> having to give that description, but it's also really, really fun. And uh like often like you have kind of like almost like you have establishing shots. Yes. Like if you like if there's a visual like version of it. And it's a really good opportunity to kind of give people a sense of where they are, who they're talking to, and it's it's great. But I think one of the big problems is if that's all you do, like They they soak all of that up as like a flavor thing, and Mm. then uh, it's only very canny players who like uh, very like diligently taking notes, and they're going, "Oh, I think that's important." Like, not every player is like that. So, I think like my final tip is, um, like, try and like re-describe situations and people like in a context where it's more useful for players. Uh, right. I know that sounds really abstract, but like I'll give like an example. Like mm. I've I've played games before where players are in combat basically stood, like, the way... Like, they stood in a line opposite Mm. the enemies and they're literally just, like, lobbing, like, spells or, like, stepping forward to take slashes and they're not really taking into consideration the environment. And, like, I've spent ages at the beginning, like, describing, like, these, like, low walls and, like, uh, run-down buildings and, like, cover and opportunities for them to kind of, like, jump from on high. And the problem is, like... Unless someone's sitting there and like writing down absolutely everything in their turn they're not gonna be thinking about the room it's almost like it just becomes a box mm. once they've once the combat encounter starts yeah yeah so like something that I like to do is uh like make your nPCs like uh use that environment and like highlight it sort of say, oh they jump over the low wall uh mm. they um uh, they shimmy up the chandelier and it's like if you say that right before someone's turn then you're giving them a prompt <laughs> they don't have to act on it they don't, no. if they don't have to you're giving them a prompt like oh yeah that's what the environment looks like I'm going to do something with that and uh, I remember there being a, I'd noticed it as a flaw in uh, the group that we were uh, in together Yeah. Um, like everyone just kind of like just firing off spells and I, I tried this technique of like Like, heavily describing uh, the actions of... I think it was, like, a group of spiders. It was, yeah, in the start campaign. camp. Yeah, yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, like, I just found that uh, the like the players just started kind of going oh yeah I always forget that like there's no roof to this building I'm just gonna <laughs> hop over that or I'm gonna like fire arrows up and I it was amazing the difference it made it was
0: I think actually in that situation I remember all of the players ended up on top of a ruined tower for yeah. like an ama- and it was an amazingly weird claustrophobic battle scene because we all ended up up there but it was so much more than just oh, we're all at the base of the tower firing up a spell and because like, D- we instantly thought about
1: it yeah and because D&D is particularly at low levels it's like you know, it's a game of chance. Like, you can, you can reach this point where it's like, rolling, missing, rolling, missing, and it can often not feel very tactical. But if people, like, I can't do much if someone's just going, oh, I want to hit it with my short sword. I'm like, well, there are rules for that. Hit it with your short sword, you missed. But if they <sighs> kind of go, well, I take a plunging attack from on high, I'm like, yeah. well, now that is something I can give you advantage for. And, like, I can suddenly start like, rewarding ingenuity. But they Mm. need to be, like, kind of, like, savvy about the tactical possibilities. And, yeah, that's where describing things in situ is really useful.
0: That's why I really like playing with you guys, because you're all very alive to that. You're quite... You've got that kind of brain when you're approaching combat and you're playing a rogue, so it lends itself. Paddy is someone who's always looking for a non the non-direct approach let's yeah, put it that way absolutely and even Zach, like Zach's it, and it's just it, I don't know I think it really works for us and it's really um, yeah that's a really nice thing to encourage but I think you, the point you touched on there is if you don't have players who are alive to it coaxing it out of them requires yeah. I love that with getting your DMPCs to go and show them the ropes a bit like come on this is over the chandelier
1: yeah yeah <laughs> I think you do it all the time with uh, your NPCs, like I think they're very uh, dynamic in the way that they interact with the environment. Thanks, darling.
0: Oh better mind.
1: What's your final one?
0: Oh yeah, final one. Um, well um a bit of a boring one actually to finish on, but one that actually has reworked for me. And again, will depend on who you are, what your style is, who you're playing with. But preparation is important to some degree. Yeah. And I've got no hard and fast rules about what you do. I'm currently, for example, playing through one of the official Wizards campaigns, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist, which is really good. Um, And I'm running that off the book. I I read it a little bit before, but I'm basically following it as we go. Yeah. And that's working well. Other times, uh, Starter Campaign being one of them, and again, first time, I read that thing cover to cover. But... I'm not really talking about that so much. I'm not talking about reading through the DM's guide and stuff. That can all be useful for picking up Monsters and stuff, or loot you want to get involved, or a, a, a spell you think is really interesting you want an NPC to cast. More that there's some really boring admin stuff that can make your life so much more easy. I think mm. um, having there is some great. My first one is D, uh, DM cheat sheets. There are loads of these available online, made by some very clever people. There's one on the inside of the the DM screen you can buy. Yeah, um, a really good quick reference guide. Again, you might want to customize that with what you need at any time. But having some of those numbers to hand, some of those charts some of those quick rules about different conditions, like, you know, being deafened and blinded or exactly what they mean. That can be really useful to have close to hand other things I find really useful are a list of NPCs who aren't important who you can just chuck in at any point I'm pretty sure that's a that's a Matt Mercer special that one yeah um, if you don't fancy rhinos up all yourself there are amazing randomizers on the internet Um dungeon is a great set of different D-O-N-J-O-N of different randomizers for NPCs for loot for loads of things uh, for encounters there's kobold fight club which you can make a little you say what's the what's the level of my party what's a good combat encounter for them yeah um Sly Flourish or the Lazy DM who made the Lazy DM's guide is this great guy and great resource for loads of pre-generated tables like that he's also very good at taking you through the rules anyway there are so many of those and so many people who will recommend those kinds of avenues for you but it's just a thing that's worth thinking about is um how do I need to prepare for this thing yeah uh And is it going to be, do I need to have encyclopedia knowledge of, for example, the adventure about to run, or do I just need a couple of things to hand? Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you find useful for that kind of thing? What's uh,
1: your- so I've I my prep is much worse than... Uh, yours. Uh, I'm like, you were, I mean, you've played with me quite often. I'll just go, give me a second here. Whereas you just seem to just like have it at your fingertips. I'm always very uh, impressed. I don't know, but there are a number of times I have to be like, hang on, I don't know where we are. <laughs> um, I would say this is maybe, I think it's like part of the same tip, but um, uh, one thing that I learned way, way too late is often at the end of a session where you've just gone and done something, you've like, there's been a huge climax and you've just like uh you've just gone through this like uh really really cool encounter and everyone's a bit burned out and it's like it's a really nice point to like you know like nip off that session it's very very tempting to just kind of like end it there but what you should do to make your life a lot easier is kind of go okay we're going to take five minutes to talk about what we want to do next time
0: that's such a good one actually that's such a good point don't yeah. start
1: your session going what do you guys want to do because then you have to like ad hoc it on the spot yeah whereas if you do that at the end it's like what do you guys want to do oh well there's that um monastery that like is kind of uh worth investigating mm. um and it's like great, okay, I now have X number of days until our next session to roll up a bunch of, like, monk encounters yeah. and work out what is going to be in the basement of that, like, that d- demonically possessed monastery. I am yeah. talking about Diablo here, by
0: the way. <laughs> it's a yeah. Um, That's such a good point, and I think that player feedback's really important. A thing I like to do uh, in a couple of campaigns, we uh, we've played in other ones, when I think it's quite nice sometimes to canvas player opinions separately. Obviously, mm. that group think is really nice, but at times, particularly for this podcast, because a lot of it is about, you know, you you three have quite different, and your characters have very different motivations. I quite often text one of you in the week and be like, okay, what did you, what do you want to do next? Or yeah. the number of times I'll be sat with Paddy and Zach and they've been together at a time of recording in the story. Yeah. And then you can just ask them and exactly get that little bit of feedback. And even if it's not directly going to lead to you designing a load of encounters for them. Yeah. It can just be a great insight into. Oh, I never thought they would they would want to do that next. Or oh, you're going to completely ignore that NPC I thought was really important. Yeah. Um. And the thing that you did really well is getting people, getting your players to talk about what they enjoyed, even beyond even beyond story wise. Just like, did you enjoy that? Yeah. Or um. Yeah. Where are we at now as a group? That those kind of conversations can be really helpful. And yeah. Yeah. Like, don't be
1: afraid of like meta textual conversations. Like, yeah. Outside. Like, just kind of say. Was this was this fun? Did you Is that okay guys? Like a uh, bit a like, big one for us uh, in our campaign was like, did you like playing with a battle map? Was that yeah. better than not having it? And like universally, everyone said way more fun. I really enjoyed that. So I was like, okay, that wasn't something I was going to emphasize, but I'll go do that now. Yeah, yeah.
0: There we go. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's enough for people to be able to run the best D and D or any other RPG campaigns they could ever think of. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah, we've absolutely smashed it. Um, We'll. I mean, we're we gonna. Hopefully, we'll come back for some more of these. Maybe we'll get Paddy and Zach to do a player tips one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we can show off. There, Zach's very proud of his notebook, which I've got just here, which he didn't bring for the first four sessions. That'll be my tip number one for you, Zach. <laughs> um, we'll be back with some more out of fantasy uh, bonus and non very soon. Thanks for chatting to me, Liam. Yeah, it's been really, really interesting. Thank yeah. you very much. Top stuff. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> We'll be